And now we come to our Bible reading, and we are turning to the book of Acts, chapter 4, and verses 13 to 22, and we find there Peter and John up in court before the Sanhedrin. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them back again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And we leave the story there. Just going to pray for Roy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our brother Roy. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for the gifts you've given him. Thank you for the way in which he proclaims your word in truth and without fear. Anoint him today with your spirit. May your word come through him to us in life-changing power. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Pastor Tim and uh, the entire leadership. Thank you for having me once again at uh, Brighton Road Baptist Church. I'm very grateful for the warm welcome that I've received. I'm grateful to the families. We have given me first-class hospitality. Ian and Pauline, who are not uh, in the congregation today, but also Robin and Errol Thomas, first-class horse. I want to say thank you. It's always good to minister in a church where you feel at home, as I indeed do today. But I also minister in other churches which are not Baptist. And sometimes it's very dicey, because you're not quite sure. You don't know the traditions of other churches. You're not sure whether you're going to make some ecclesiastical mistakes, such as one Baptist pastor did when he was invited to minister in an Anglican church, and he made the mistake of opening his remarks by saying there must be something wrong with this microphone, to which the congregation responded, and also with you. I don't feel under any such threat when I'm in such a Baptist church as this. 
But I want to bring you greetings from my family, from my wife, from the college that I lead. I want to bring you greetings, especially from the students that you have supported and that you continue to support. I would like to report that Pastor Onyas Mujiwa, whom you first supported through the college, has successfully completed his training and is assisting with the pastoral work at Calvary Baptist Church, that's the church I belong to, while waiting for an opening in the Ministry of Higher and Tertiary Education, where he is to teach religious and moral education. And depending on where that opening will be, he will combine teaching with ministry in church. And report on Masimba Tazarurwa, who has also completed his training, though of course his dissertation will only be uh, submitted for examination in the November season, since he just missed the deadline for submission. But in any case, he has completed his studies. I would like to say that uh, Pastor Masimba is pastoring a small church in Arare, um, and only in the last two weeks, he got traditionally married. And he and Abigail uh, have asked me to officialize their marriage on the 25th of October. So if you remember that date, you can be praying for them as they get joined together in holy matrimony. But of course, there's the current student that you are supporting. His name is Leviticus Mulea, making very, very steady, I must say, very good progress through his studies. So let me share his results of the last two semesters. During the December 2014 examination season, as well as the May-June 2015 examination season, Leviticus Mulea wrote five subjects in each of those semesters, and each time he scored two distinctions and two merits. That's a two-one pass, a merit, and one lower second. And he has achieved that result two semesters running. I think this is a kind of result which we can all be proud of, especially when you pray for him and you give to him as you do. It's also very good to note that during both of these last two semesters, one of the distinctions was in the subject of practical ministry. And I think practical ministry that's where the rubber hits the road. It is what a person does when they are now ministering that will count for success or failure. So I'm rather pleased that practical ministry is one of the best subjects that he is achieving. Tim has already said that our service today is centered around the theme of transformation. And so I'm going to be talking about transforming lives. And I would just like you to remember two things. Firstly, that God is in the business 
of transforming lives. But also secondly, that he wants to use you and me as his agents for such transformation. The story that was read to us is a good example of God transforming lives. Here are questions that I could ask you. Number one, are these the kind of people you would have chosen in order to start a ministry that would be said to become a world-changing ministry? Would you have chosen the kind of people that Jesus chose? They were not from the powerful upper classes of Judea. But they were peasants of Galilee. Even their personalities would make them doubtful candidates for a world-transforming ministry. I came across an evaluation of these gentlemen done by the Jordan Management Consultants of Jerusalem. And the result of that evaluation is in form of a memo, memorandum that was given to Jesus. And the memorandum reads as follows. To Jesus, son of Joseph, Woodcrafter's shop, Nazareth. From Jordan Management Consultants, Jerusalem. And the subject of uh, the memorandum is staff aptitude evaluation. And this is what it says. Thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for management position in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests. And we have not only run the results through our computer, but have also arranged personal interviews with each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. It is the staff opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the kind of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have team concept. We would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience in management ability and proven capability. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of uh, temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel that it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He is a man of ability and resourcefulness, meets people well, 
He has a keen business mind and has uh, contacts in high places. He is uh, highly motivated, ambitious, and innovative. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. All other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you every success in your new venture. Once again, the question, are these the kind of people you would have chosen for a world-transforming mission? Maybe one of the reasons why Jesus chose these lowly, despised men is to demonstrate the transforming power of God. These are the people who form the nucleus of a worldwide faith called Christianity. The people who turned the world upside down. Or maybe shall we say right side up. Who do you have chosen? These people. But here's another question. Would you have ordinarily expected Peter and John to show the kind of boldness shown as in the passage that we read today. Especially after Peter had only a few days earlier denied Jesus three times. Would you have expected this kind of boldness? A cowardly Peter is able to confront the very same Sanhedrin that had pressurized Pilate to consign Jesus to death. What had happened? Peter is a transformed man. Indeed, God is in the business of transforming people. These and many other biblical examples can be given of God's desire, God's business to transform people. And if you are sitting here today and you are aware of an area of your life that needs transformation, you are aware of a, of a spirit of heaviness, God maybe is seeking to give you a garment of praise. You are aware of fear. Fearing the future. And God is here to say, because Jesus lives, you can face tomorrow. Whatever area of life where you feel you need that transformation, God is in the business of transforming lives. But let me turn from biblical examples, because I know you read these all the time and you have got excellent Bible expositors to, t- to t- tell you about them. Let me turn from biblical examples to contemporary examples. Let me tell you the story of a transformed man I know more than any other human being on earth because that man is me. My story captures the experience of a Zimbabwean during different 
periods of the country's turbulent history. After all these periods, I can describe myself as more than a survivor by grace. The turbulence in our history, the history of Zimbabwe, became in fact a means of grace for me. A story of God transforming negative situations into a work of grace. I was, after all, born during the height of colonialism in 1949. And I can tell you the worst part of colonialism was not the taking of land, but the taking away of human dignity and human worth. But it is during this very time that God gave me a special touch of transformation. And God used in particular two realities to transform my life. The first reality that God used came in 1966. For in 1966, when I was in the first year of secondary school, I became a child of God. And by becoming a child of God, I survived the experience of being made a third-class citizen in the land of my own birth. No, there were three classes of citizens. They were the first-class citizens who were the whites. There were the second-class citizens, you know, Indians and so forth. They were called the second-class citizens. We were the third-class citizens. I survived that experience of being a third-class citizen in the land of my birth. I survived the period of being told that being African meant being inferior in every way. The period of seeing the best facilities in hospitals and schools and residential areas and farms belonging to the superior race. And how was this a work of grace? The gospel solution for a time like that was that of knowing how special I was and I still am and how special you are in the sight of God. I experienced the transforming power of a God-given identity. A God-given identity that could transcend the earthly demeaning identities that anyone could give us. Hence, I was not crushed by an inferiority complex that crushed other people. Nor was I consumed by the hatred for whites that did consume other people. That experience of becoming a child of God was the most transforming experience that I could ever experience. But then I experienced transformation by another agent that God used. And that was the agent of education. And particularly Education in the things of God. My father died when I was in my last year of primary school. 
leaving my mother destitute with 11 children, of whom I was child number five. My mother had to sell some of the very few cattle that she had to get me started on secondary education, but without any means of being able to sustain me in school. But when I did go to that school, and I did manage to start off my education, there was a missionary couple whose eyes were opened to my potential and who decided that they were going to offer me scholarship assistance in order for me to complete my secondary education. Now, I often ask myself, where would I be had God not used this couple to help me through my education? I would not have taught the children in the two secondary schools that I and my wife later on did. I would not have become the pastor that I later on became at Calvary Baptist Church. There might have been no Roboshawa Theological College or certainly not in the current format. I certainly would not have been here to preach this message. The reason why my wife and I have decided that we are also going to invest in the education of others is because I could see how transformed that I became from a very difficult situation to where God has wanted me to be. So that was the being touched by the Christian experience and being touched by the educational experience. But then the history of Zimbabwe continues from there. We lived through a decade of the liberation war in Zimbabwe. The whole of the 1970s was a war decade in Zimbabwe. Once again, by God's grace, we survived. And not only did we survive, we were transformed even through that difficult situation. Physically, I survived being fired on by a very angry soldier who had lost a, a, a comrade in the shootout that happened right in our school grounds where my wife and I were teachers. I survived. But I survived even further. In the next school where we were, when I drove over a landmine. Now you might say, how did I know that I had driven over a landmine? It's because there was another car driving behind me. And that car was exploded. And it just became a heap of twisted metal. People died. People lost limbs. But it's not just a physical survival experience. But it's what God taught me through that survival. And God taught me this lesson. There is only one life and it will soon be passed. Only what we do for the Lord will last. These experiences took away the selfish motives for the work that I was then doing, took me into full-time Christian ministry. God transforming lives through negative experiences. We can even go on to the first 15 years 
of uh, independence. This, these were years of economic prosperity from 1980 to 1995. Again, I survived. I survived being consumed by the spirit of materialism. 1980 was the year when we went into full-time Christian ministry, a very unpopular decision to my mother and to my other relatives. But something kept on ringing in my mind. And that was what had happened way back when I was still doing my A-level, when the essay competition went around from the Bible Society with the title, What Your Heart Clings To and Relies On Is Your God. God helped me not to cling on to materialism and turn materialism into a God. Hence, being able to go into full-time ministry. And then later on, when Zimbabwe went into the dark period that we are still going in now, of economic de demise and, and political oppression and conflict, even this period has been a period of transformation of learning what it means to be salt and light in a very difficult situation, of learning what it is to speak truth to power, of lighting a light rather than just cursing the darkness. This is where I now have to tell you the story of another person, the story of Leviticus Muleya. Our contact with Leviticus Mleya started in January 2014 at Nobosheva Theological College. We were doing interviews for the degree program intake number 13. Out of the blue comes a man, Leviticus Mleya. We had never even applied for a place at the college. He had come from such a backward rural area called Binga in Matabeleland North. I don't even know whether he knew what applying meant. He had only heard that there was a college called Domboshawa. He had, he had a contact number of someone he had never met, just a telephone number. And that person is Reverend Mudimba, who had been our student and was now an adjunct lecturer at our college. And so he simply sold what he had, gathered the few you know, possessions that he had, boarded a bus and landed in Harare. Then took his phone number and rang up Mr. Mdimba and said, I've come to Domboshawa Theological College. How do I even get there? He was surprised that someone could have just landed like that, but told him to board a taxi and gave him the address to come. And now here we are. We've got Leviticus Muleya at our college. He has no relatives. He has no accommodation. All he has is the conviction that God has called him to ministry and that Domboshawa was the place where he should be training for the ministry. What do you do with such a student? At first I was very flabbergasted. I didn't know what to do. I did not know where he was going to even sleep. But through one telephone call to my wife, Sylvia, said, here is a man. I don't even know what to do with this man. And the answer very quickly came, bless her heart. Bring him home, she said, and we will work out the rest from there. And that is how the story of this man called Leviticus Muleya began. We have provided accommodation 
for him ever since that particular time. And you have provided the assistance without which he would not have been able to do what he is doing. Here is a story of transformation. He has grown and is still growing in his knowledge of God. He has been baptized at Calvary Baptist Church. He has grown in ministry skills, achieving first-class passes in practical ministry subjects. He has been given a new determination to plant a Baptist church in the Binga area where he comes from. We want to thank you for being used as God's agents of transformation. God transforms our lives that we might transform the lives of other people. So I want to say thank you for the work of transformation that you are going to do. We are even hopeful that as we take the college even further from the first degree level that we are doing to the master's level that you can even join us in being able to do that. Because it is only when we train high leaders of integrity who can intervene at the highest place that we can begin to influence our society, become salt and light in our society, have people who, as Moses was told by Jethro, people who are capable, people who fear God, people who are trustworthy, and people who hate a dishonest gain. May you join us as we embark on such a journey of taking our training to that highest level which we hope to commence next year. In order to do that, of course, there are developmental needs that we have and hence the sheet of paper that uh, Tim told you is available for anyone who might want to know what are those developmental needs that we are doing you are welcome to get that, at least to pray with us that we will have a breakthrough in being able to offer this master's program. What have we been saying? Well, we have been saying through the biblical examples and through contemporary examples that God is in the business of transforming lives. But we have also been saying that God wants to use you and God wants to use me in that business of transforming lives. I would not want to see the end of my life on this earth before I have transformed every life that God wants me to transform. I would not even want to see the end of my earthly life before I have been transformed in every area. God has already done a marvelous work in my life. But it's an ongoing thing. More transformation comes. May it also be the same with you. Be transformed and be God's agent of transformation. Shall we pray? Lord, we have been exposed to the story of people who, in earthly terms, were very unpromising people, backward people, uneducated people, 
Even the Sanhedrin were amazed that these uneducated people were able to take the stand that they did because they had been with Jesus. Being with you, O Lord, is a life-transforming experience. And you have said, I will continually be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. I will neither leave you nor forsake you. My Lord, I am praying for these, your people. Amongst these, your people, there are those who are suffering depression. There are those who are suffering fear of the future. There are those who are suffering physical illness. There are those who are deeply hurt, deeply disappointed by the experiences of life. I'm praying for transformation, oh God. Because you are a transforming God who gives oil in our lamps to keep them burning. Who gives us peace in our hearts. Who gives us everything we need. Who even takes the heart of stone to give the heart of flesh. Transform us, your people, oh God. But Lord, I'm praying that you give us a new determination that as we are getting transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus, not conforming to the patterns of the world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds, that we will also be agents of transformation. Not only of people in our families and people around us and people in our country, but agents of people of transformation for people abroad. Thank you for this church which has already been doing that. I'm praying, Lord, that their zeal will never flag. That they will continue to have the zeal of transforming other lives. And that your glory will shine through what they do. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we are praying that we will never again be the same. Both in our lives and in our ministry. That will give honor and glory to your name. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen.